This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. In case you don't hear it in my voice, I am not Jeb Blunt. Nope. This is Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. And I'm also the host of the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, a podcast for sales women and men who like to think outside of the status quo. And that show is also sponsored by Sales Gravy. On today's episode of the Sales Gravy podcast, I am featuring Art Munin from Liaison International, who quite honestly pitched to be on the show by sending me a video of himself serenading me on a guitar with a Bon Jovi song because he is passionate about salespeople who transition into sales later in life after non-sales careers. We'll also focus on our mutual love of the arts and how an artistic background impacts the success of a salesperson. I think this episode will be especially powerful for sales leaders who might be overlooking non-traditional talent in their recruitment efforts. But before we get started, I want you to do me a little favor. Go and check out Sales Gravy University, which is where Art and I met, by the way. Sales Gravy University is where sales teams from across the globe come to learn and hone their sales skills so they can sell more, close more, and build bigger pipelines. And right now, you can check out any course on Sales Gravy University if you've never checked one out before by using the code free course. If you've never been on Sales Gravy University, you get your very first course for free, any course you want. And while you're there, make sure you check out our team accounts and team hub options for small and scaling sales teams. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com and use the code free course. So let's go ahead and get started with this show. Art Munin is joining me today. Art is Associate Vice President of Enrollment Management Solutions for one of our clients, Liaison International. And Liaison helps higher education institutions identify, recruit, and enroll best fit students with improved outreach, application, and enrollment processes. Art, welcome to the Sales Gravy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited that you brought your guitar. So of we'll course. talk more about that later. Um, what I'm really excited about is because you pitched um, in a very interesting way, which got my attention, you you pitched this interesting topic. Um, you pitched a couple of things, like a really interesting talk topic and to get yourself on the show, which got everyone's attention at Sales Gravy. And you are here. And the topic that you pitched, a couple of things you pitched. Um, salespeople who are transitioning in life um, from a non-sales career, which is something you did. And um, you did that from academia. So how did that happen? Walk me through your personal transition. Sure. Uh, you know, it was last summer. Uh, I was a bit of a crossroads in my career. I had worked in higher education 20 plus years, most often as a dean of students. Uh, loved that work, loved working with students, helping them be successful. I had a mental health background. So, you know, that absolutely uh, was a, a big resource for me in helping students. Uh, but I was looking for a new challenge. I'm very uh, challenge driven. Um, and 
you know, much of higher education after a while, it, it wasn't providing that opportunity. So I was looking for something new. I had worked in enrollment management uh, for a while in higher ed as well, supervised the function and got to know vendors in the space. And like how all things typically happen, it was through relationships. One conversation turns into another conversation. Liaison had an opportunity open up. Uh, had uh, uh, great connections with uh, uh, folks at the company. And last summer decided to take the plunge and say, you want to know what? You know, I'm 45 and it's time for a life adventure. Um, I didn't want, you know, <laughs> I had a I had a, a state pension job that mm -hmm. I could have hung out in for, you know, 15 or 20 more years, right? And, and I would have been fine. I would have been fine. Uh, I wouldn't have been satisfied though. Uh, I, I wanted something new. I wanted a new hill to climb and I wanted to challenge myself. And, and I always thought, you know, then, you know, I want that adventure and that opportunity and liaison's given me that. How, how did you find liaison? You know, it was through a mutual friend. So a very close friend of mine, uh, uh, when I started reaching out, I, you know, when, when you reach a, a transition time, you activate your network, right? So I activated my network and said, who knows who? And really just started making a list of who's gone where and how can I facilitate connections? And a very good friend of mine said, hey, you know, this friend of mine got a job at Liaison uh, and, and speaks, you know, just amazing about it. And so that connection with Sean Leahy, who's one of my colleagues now, I did an informational interview with him uh, at the end of it. Uh, I just said, well, you know, you're really good at sales because I want in. Uh, how, you know, what do I need to do? Uh, and the next week I was applying for a job and interviewing at liaison. Okay. So there's just so many things I want to ask you about. Um, but first I want to point out that what you just described is like sales 101 that so many salespeople miss, right? You, you really were expanding upon your centers of influence and basically building a prospecting list to right. land this new adventure, right? So you got really creative with that. But again, academia, you're coming from this place of academia, which is a completely different mindset. And then all of a sudden you're like, sales, I think I'll do sales. I mean, a lot of people are afraid to, you know, people have been in sales forever are not comfortable. Um, right. But you like really, you must be like, like an adrenaline junkie. You know, I, I think so. I think that uh, I always have rested on the idea that I know I'm not going to be the smartest person in the room, but there's no one that's going to outwork me, right? You know, mm -hmm. for me, it's, I grew up in the city on the South side of Chicago. I'm a first generation college student. My dad was a cop. Uh, you know, I'm not going to always have all the gifts that are going to make me successful, but my sweat is going to get me there. And so I remember talking to friends of mine saying, you know, I, I know this is going to be, this isn't going to be easy, but there are so many people who've been successful at it. I can't believe that it's beyond my grasp. And then also now having been in it, um, that academia background, I think has helped because I am a learner by nature mm -hmm. and that's partly how you and I are connected now. I, I haven't even told you all these connections, but you know, the first thing I did was, well, I'm going to go read some books. Uh, so I go into Amazon and put sales and of course Jeb comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I had read fanatical prospecting before I started. 
Uh, and uh, you know, and, and it just, it helped prepare me. And then even doing the prospecting boot camp with you through sales gravy, it also showed me the ways in which I was doing sales before. I just never talked about it in that way. You know, as, as Dean of students, I was meeting with students all the time who were making unhealthy life choices. And I was selling them on the idea of how much better their life would be if they adopted different practices. Uh, and and that takes emotional intelligence, that takes time, that takes listening, that takes buy-in, that uh, takes so many things that have absolutely transferred uh, and translated to the sales space. Well, I love that because from a from an academia standpoint, from a teacher standpoint, right, the learning piece of it, I think you also attacked it in a, a process kind of way of like, okay, there must be a process to this, right? Which is kind of what we do as, as instructors, what's the process? So you research and identified the process and then structured it. And we're going to get into the artistic side of things because I think that's a big piece of it. You, you created the process. Some people can get really caught up in the process and frameworks and get stuck on that and then get too rigid with it. And that's why there's, to me, that whole coming from academia. I know a lot of academia a lot of okay, my my husband is a cop at a university and I know a lot of professors at that university again it's a different mindset it's a different it mindset it, it absolutely is and 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 I think that's what's been helpful for me again as a translation point you know I learned all these counseling theories early on and if you ardently hold to those you are not going to serve students and clients well they're a framework that need to provide you guidance through the dark, but you need to have the ability to think on your feet and respond to what's in front of you, not just what the piece of paper told you was going to be there. Because obviously the piece of papers never, how they drew it up is never how it actually happens. It, it's a guideline. It's a framework, right? right? But yeah. you have to be able to color outside of the lines. Um, and I think that was another connection point for us. You were in fanatical prospecting boot camp that I happened to be teaching. Yeah. And um, then you kind of, you got on the LinkedIn and found me and maybe mini stalked me a little bit because you oh. came a little bit <laughs> and you came back with, well, you went to DePaul. I went to DePaul. You you're from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. So I will, I got to give some kudos to Chicago work ethic. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think especially you growing up on the South side, I won't hold it against you. I'm from the North side, but there is, <laughs> you did go to DePaul. So White Sox, go White Sox. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, Cubs, Cubs, but I'll, but I'll give you the Chicago piece of it. One thing you've said is so much is geared towards folks who've been doing sales their whole career and not, um, not attention on that person who is transitioning, especially later in life. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, and, and I got to give a lot of credit to the leadership at Liaison that I spoke very openly about that through the interview process. And, you know, I, I, I remember saying to them, you know, listen, I know if you hire me, you're taking a risk. You know, I know you are. Uh, I also want to say I'm taking a risk. And quite frankly, if we were to weigh these two out, I'm taking the bigger risk uh, because uh, you if, could. <laughs> if this crashes and burns, liaison's not going to shut down. Art Union Enterprises, though, might have a really <laughs> tough time if this doesn't work. Yeah. Right. And so understand I got skin in the game, too, and I might have more than you. So I, I, I'm just aware of that. 
Uh, but I, I really spoke honestly with them and saying, listen, this is the transferable things. I know that I need to come at this with the humility of, in some ways, I'm starting over. I get that. You know, I'm starting over. Um, some of my colleagues are like a decade or two younger than me. Uh, that's fine. I, it doesn't bother me. I can learn from anybody. I learned from my college students when I worked with them. And so I think I, I, I carry well the, the mix of confidence with humility that I know I could figure it out. I just don't know it today, but I'll know more today. I'll know more tomorrow than I know today. What do you think was the tipping point that liaison was willing to take that chance on you? I mean, it could be company culture, but I think yeah. there's a lot of sales organizations that are like, oh, he doesn't get sales experience. We don't, uh, we don't, what right. was the tipping point? You know, I think uh, a mix of, obviously I'm selling to higher ed, right? So I, that have helps. A, I have a content knowledge. I'm, I sat in the chair of the person that I'm selling to more often than not now. So, you know, I, I've, I've really appreciated in your podcast and in Jeb's and others talking about, you know, depending on the length of the sales cycle, you know, if you have a really short sales cycle, maybe that emotional EQ, you know, emotional intelligence isn't as important. But if you have a long sales cycle, that emotional intelligence and that empathy and that connection is crucial. And mine is a long sales cycle. We're talking six, nine, sometimes 12 months for a deal. And, and you're working with people that, uh, truly are trusting you with their career. I mean, I just closed a deal within the last few weeks uh, that this vice president cracked me up because she said at the end of it and said, you know, Art, okay, you have my career in your hands now. And she's right. I mean, if if this deal does not help her institution and it crashes and burns, she could be out of a job. Uh, and so I I lived that life. And so when I spoke to Liaison and when I was interviewing with Clay and Mike and Haley and, and I met with the founder, George Haddad, because uh, that's the culture of Liaison, which is amazing. Um, I was able to speak to them that I, I, I truly am attuned to that. And I, I know the best way to serve students is for me to continue to serve my clients in the best way possible. And I'm invested in that. Uh, and, and, and I think they saw something in that. I think that is so powerful that I think salespeople forget is that we kind of hold this in our hands, this, this making other people successful thing. Right. And, you know, I talk a lot about this in improv and making other people look good and that whole mindset of, you know, a lot of times we get these objections because of the fear. If I choose you, it's going to impact me personally and my personal career. And, and I think salespeople miss the boat sometimes in thinking about what are the personal outcomes and the emotional outcomes desired and how you really do hold their career in, their, in your hands sometimes. You know, I, I had a mentor. It always stuck with me. I had a mentor of mine, Penny Rue, who was vice president at Wake Forest. And she said once, uh, you need to make people feel that jumping off into the unknown with you is the better option than staying where they are. Say and that one more time for the people at the back of the room. You need to, now I got to phrase it right. You need <laughs> to make it seem safer and the wisest decision to jump off into the unknown with you than to stay where they are. Because staying where you are is safe and a little bit more defensible sometimes. I mean, uh, but you're not gonna be successful either. You might be 
you know, when I talk about enrollment management and we're talking about, you know, getting college students in the door, if you do nothing, uh, you might bleed out slow and it'll take a long time. But if you swing and miss, uh, it could happen much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting out of the status quo mindset. 100%. Uh, tell me a little more about liaison. Uh, really tell our listeners what liaison does and what you're yeah. selling. Sure. So it's enrollment management. So it's admissions. You know, the, the way that I phrase it when I meet with clients is that throughout my career, regardless of what my job title was, my job was about access and success. I am deeply passionate about that. I know as a first generation college student, I would not be where I am today if Eastern Illinois University hadn't taken a chance on me uh, because I was a screw up in high school. I had a lot of fun um, <laughs> and I really didn't start figuring stuff out until I got to college. Uh, and so I know how transformative it could be. And so the culture of liaison is truly much more about people than products. I mean, it is about that close connection. And something that really spoke to me through the process is the company's 31 years old. Uh, our founder and CEO, George Haddad, uh, is still in charge. And if you and we're almost 500 person company now. And if wow. you are going to take on a job where you're going to be client facing, George individually interviews everybody. Wow. Because That's amazing. He, it is. And he wants to make sure, and it really stuck with me that uh, the relationship is key. And he said, Art, if you sign a deal and then that's the last time that university ever hears from you, that's a failure. I want you to sign a deal and then a month later, fly out to Minneapolis and take them out to coffee and ask them how they're doing. Uh, that continued ongoing relationship is crucial because uh, one, things change all the time and we're always tweaking things. You know, we want to always be there for our clients as we're, as we're walking through the process. They have leadership transitions, all of that. But then also, I mean, I have like five or six products to offer. I might get a deal on one now and another one a year from now. Uh, you know, it's about that build over time. And then some of our products do also expand that, you know, I sell you this, you know, and we can add on for marketing, for instance, you know, we can add on more campaigns, we can add on more work. And when, and when you really made that connection, uh, there's so much more likely to work with you. And uh, that, that client uh, who said, you know, Art, you have my career in your hands. Uh, she also had me laughing because she said, I was the first vendor that didn't make her feel icky. Um, and you should put that on your, you got to put that on your LinkedIn profile. I, I like that. I like that <laughs> sticker of that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's because I made clear to her, like, listen, I want you to be successful. Uh, I'm, I'm in it for your students. I'm in it for the success of your university. That's all. Let, let's talk for a second about in the world that you're in academia. I know it's a challenge. I've worked, um, with a lot of clients in that space, um, and I've worked with a lot of clients who are selling to that space, right? And so the challenges that come with that in the different stakeholders, the multi-stakeholders, um, the the seasonality of the buying windows based on school, uh, what would be some advice that brand new art at sales uh, would would give to someone who is selling in that kind of environment where you're dealing with that kind of academic red tape and multi-stakeholders and they got to get consensus. What, what are some pointers you would give? Wow. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there. Uh, I so, know. <laughs> uh, I, I've worked both public and private higher mm -hmm. ed, uh, and those are different animals. Yes. Uh, there are benefits uh, to both and drawbacks. Right. 
um, you know, procurement processes and private institutions, way easier, way easier. Uh, but public institutions, you, you can very often get a little bit more of a transparent view into their actual inner workings because of things being required to being public. Right. Uh, so, you know, some of those processes are easier. Uh, I, I think you got to um, understand that uh, depending on who you're speaking to, there are different cultures of people. Um, you know, faculty and academic life is one specific culture, uh, you know, and uh, understanding the how difficult it is to get, become a tenured faculty member. Like, you know, there's a lot of critiques of academic life out there in the discourse, and I get it. Uh, uh, higher ed is by no means perfect, uh, but it's incredibly hard to publish. It's incredibly hard to teach, incredibly hard to do. These are very intelligent people. Yeah. Uh, and you need to, to show that level of respect. But then also you need to be able to flip really quickly to talk to the CFO uh, who wants to know the dollars and cents. And then you need to be able to flip immediately to talk to the CIO who only wants to know about your tech, only wants to know about the safeguards for privacy that you have. And then you're going to flip and talk to the student affairs person that says that how are you going to care for my students? And all of those people will be in the same meeting um, asking you questions. Yeah. And so you got to be ready to pivot and flow with that pretty quickly. And, and that's probably one of your biggest assets coming from that world that yeah. maybe someone that didn't come from that world, but is an incredible salesperson. It might not work if they don't understand, um, how to map the stakeholders. Right. And, and I do a lot of time with my colleagues. You know, I, I, I love working with, it's very team oriented at liaison, which is fantastic. I do a lot of, uh, of work with my colleagues saying, Hey, let me help you figure out this institution. I have tons of connections, uh, you know, throughout the field, just from my previous work of national organizations, uh, and things like that. And, you know, how can you try and get an in or get some inside knowledge of how things are working? That's yeah. awesome. Awesome. It is. Uh, let's, let's take a little switch and talk a little bit about, again, we met through sales gravy and, um, fanatical prospecting, um, as a, uh, former professor so yes. to speak from that world. How did I do as an instructor? Was I okay? I, I'm telling you, uh, I go <laughs> into any, so I've been, I, I, not only have I been a teacher, I have taught workshops all along the way. And I, I would have reached out to you about doing something like this. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm conscious about who my name gets attached to, just like your conscious, I'm sure of your name. I'm sure, I'm sure you thought, let me look up this art guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't, you know, uh, have, you know, some weirdo on my podcast. Um, well, we already, we established a relationship, so there was no doubt, but go on. That helps. Um, and I loved that you just called on people. There is so much time wasted and so what do you all think about that? And then you wait for 45 seconds of silence and you draw people out and what I love that you were just like, hey, what did you think about it? And like calling people in and bringing them into the conversation, because not only does it get the conversation going quicker, I think it also keeps people a little bit more on notice of, oh, you know, <laughs> I better I better get off my email and actually clock what's going on in this training session. Um, so that was one thing that I picked up on right away. Uh, I mean, obviously your energy uh, and your engagement, you know, you need, you know, there, and I'm sure we'll get into the creativity stuff here too, and you know, they're in teaching and selling, there's an element of performance, 
right? You know, I'm, I'm performing right now, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, uh, I'm using probably a little bit more inflection with my voice and more yes. hand movements uh, than I normally would. Uh, and, and I could tell that from you, from the moment you got on, like this person is a performer. Like I, I didn't even know you didn't even talk about improv yet, but I, I would have guessed you were a performer. Uh, and, and then lastly, obviously none of that's going to matter if you don't have the content. Like I didn't come to that training to be entertained. Uh, I came there because I wanted content and I wanted to have conversation and the content was there. Uh, you know, really flowing through. I mean, even as I look around my office right now, I have fanatical prospecting and sales EQ right there. I have written on my wall, reflex responses, brush offs and objections, like things that I can look at. Nice, nice. One more call written up here. Like I have things just as I'm working with clients to give me little visual cues uh, in case I need to, in case I get panicked and I need a rescue. Perfect. I love that. As an instructor, we live for that, right? We live for the student to take that stuff and then like use it. Yes, absolutely. What were some of your big takeaways from taking the course, going through the boot camp? Yeah, I think the um the specific practicing and challenging around the phone. Um I have drastically increased my phone calls uh and it has been a, a substantive help. Uh, it really has. Uh, I get people on the phone. I book meetings, uh, and, and then also with the reflex responses, I'm 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 much more accustomed to you know that initial like brush off, you know, uh, of kind of pushing through that. I just did it this week, pushed through a brush off and got the meeting. Um, That's awesome. Which was yeah. And uh, uh, so that absolutely stuck with me. The um, the the use of video, obviously. I was uh, just I'm like, um, you better you better say something about video. Yeah, you know. And so while we were going through that training, uh, and I, I sent it to you as well, I was on a campus visiting, and there was a vice president. I've been trying to get to respond to me for seven eight months, and I couldn't get anything. And so I was on his campus and I just kind of said, hey, I'm on your campus. One of these days you're going to respond to me. And I look forward <laughs> to chatting. And I wouldn't have thought of that if it wasn't for the course. I sent it to him, got it right then. And he and I met. Uh, it, 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 it's hilarious, like how some of these things that, you know, depending on how it's presented, you might think, well, that sounds hokey. Uh, well, one, hokey works sometimes. Uh, uh, and two, it's creative. It's getting in. People are getting, I mean, I got bombarded from salespeople all the time when I was in higher ed. Uh, you got to stand out in some, in some sort of way that is creative and not creepy. <laughs> creative, not creepy. That's a, that's a new slogan we should yep. use too. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so Hi. you did, you did such a great job, um, creativity wise of, of really using, the the video framework that we talked about in in getting my attention and not just with the serenade and and getting on this podcast but you were kind of a you know all-star student as well cuz you rose to the occasion of my challenges i mean that was a group that i i put on challenges and offered up prizes um with your whole organization that was in the course um you you won a, a, a an autographed book from yeah. jeb as a result of one of your videos um here you are so video has done really well for you what mm -hmm. was it like going through the course with colleagues because there's quite a large group of you yeah. um from liaison um, taking advantage of our team hub at sales gravy and going through the course together what was that like 
Uh, it, I mean, it was great because we we had uh, opportunities afterwards because we have, you know, weekly team meetings, then weekly sales meetings and whatnot. And so we would talk week by week about what was talking in the course, what we thought was applicable to us, what maybe wasn't or we could alter. Um, uh, and then, and of course it's, you know, I've gotten used to, uh, sales pupil culture and, uh, and you know, uh, when you win something, uh, you know, people <laughs> joke around with you like, oh yeah, art won the book. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then, and then Doug won the next one because he used his little robot dog thing. And he was like, well, I won the next one art. It wasn't you. So, you know, some of that yeah. you know, nice camaraderie <laughs> back and forth. Um, but you know, the the other part that was helpful for me uh, going through that course and just also going through this first year sales was yeah, just the humanizing effect of, you know, I'm new to this, but the folks have been doing it for a while. It's not like they have it figured out. It's not like they have some sort of secret sauce that uh, has everything clicking. Like they were there right learning alongside me and they've been doing it 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, yeah. So- I mean, honestly, that that was heartening to me of like, okay, well, you know, like I'm right where they're at uh, and I'm right where I should be. I think that's a really great reminder for anyone out there that wants to be like art and wants to transition. I see this every day that, you know, there are some super seasoned salespeople out there. And when I say seasoned, you know, they've been selling for 20, 30 years, right. um, but that doesn't make them better necessarily because the reality is, is that so many of them have never had any kind of sales training. And so what they fall into is this pattern of, okay, well, I'm going to figure it out. No one told me how to do it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it this way. And then they do it that way for 20, 30 years and they're okay at it. They, they do it, but they've never actually been shown better ways to do it. So in some ways they almost become equal to you. Yeah, no. And, and I think there, there, I didn't anticipate fully the advantages to a career transition of bringing that fresh perspective, the value of an outside perspective. I also don't have the scars of having done it 20 years. Uh, you know, like, you know, I, I listen to the podcast and I read the books and, and, and folks, you know, talk about, you know, how difficult it is to deal with rejection and whatnot. I gotta tell you, like, it doesn't bother me. Like, you know, I've worked, you know, being Dean of students was really difficult and there was life or death stuff that I was doing. I was dealing with some very, very, you know, serious matters. And I don't want to underplay how that my work now isn't important. It's very important, but my benchmark for a bad day um, is different. Fair. You know? And, uh, and so, you know, Hey, like somebody says, no, more often than not, I don't even hear it as no, I hear it as not now. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, not now. Like that makes sense. You know, and I uh, love that. Life is long. You know, life I, is long. And and I, you know, I'm fortunate that my bosses don't mind that I say it this way because obviously I'm accountable this quarter, I'm accountable this fiscal, all of those things. But what I've said is I am trying to have a great career, not a great year. I I this is a long haul. I could I could you know, maybe try and just do everything and kill it this year, but then, and, but then next year I'm going to have nothing, you know, like there's, this is, this is about putting together 20 years now. It's not just about 2023. So 
there are things that I'm doing. And actually another book that I just read uh, on a recent trip, I read the, uh, the infinite game by Simon Sinek. I really liked Simon Sinek's work and it was all about the idea. Oh, I love of, Simon. Why do I not know? Why do I not have that book? It's a really good book because it really gets to the idea of, you know, finite games are all about winning and losing in the here and now. There are things that I'm doing right now at work that I don't know where they're going to pay off. I'm speaking at conferences. I don't know where it's going to pay off. I'm writing articles and those are coming out. I have one coming out here soon. I don't know if it's going to pay off, uh, but it's creative. I enjoy it. I think that it's fun. And who knows how connections are going to come together down the road. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a bit of cliche, do what you love and the money will follow. Uh, but there have been parts of that throughout my life that have absolutely proved true. Well, that goes hand in hand with the the risk taking aspect of something and yeah. like everything you're talking about of just doing things and trying things and saying, I'm not really sure where it's going to go. Like I always say, have an end goal, have a plan. What What's your desired outcome? But sometimes you just got to do things um, for creativity's sake to see what's going to land, which gives us a great opportunity to talk about creativity, the part that you and I love the most. Um <laughs> Yeah, finally. Um, can you just strum a couple couple chords on that guitar well, of yours? I mean, this has been something that I've loved to bring into my sales work of, you know, having the guitar just uh, at the ready. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, uh, when I started this and working from home, I spoke to friends of mine and said, you know, should I change my background? Like, should I do something different? Because amazing, we're in, my, we're in my office, but we're also in my guitar layer. I've been a guitar player for 30 plus years. I got six over there. I got five more over there. I play in a band. I write my own music. And, and what friends of mine said was, you want to know what? It's different and unique. And they're totally right. I'm telling you, half the time when I meet with someone, they ask. They're like, are those guitars in the background? And we, and we just start talking about music. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, would you get a chance, go to salesgravy.com and like pull up my bio page on on the website because there's a video on there of of one of my past coaching clients and he's got literally guitars in the background on the wall behind him because he used to be in a band and now he's in a space where he's selling to music producers. And so when we started working together, he was like in this kind of suit and white wall behind him. And I'm like, something's disconnected about you. Like this, this guy is not you. And he's like, I know, but I thought that's the way I'm supposed to dress. I'm like, no, people buy you. And then just did the, if you see the video, cause it's a really cool testimonial video of him. I, you'll love it just for the guitar aspect yeah. of it. But yeah. when you and I really connected on the arts piece of it, um, cool. we had a lot of things in common between Chicago and DePaul and then the whole improv piece because the second city, um, you know, me, I'm a huge advocate of, of the arts and them. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because I have always been a big advocate of gosh, I'd love to go out there and just recruit all those actors who decided to give up acting because absolutely. to me, they make the best salespeople. I mean, what do you think? Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, and the, musicians, of course, I music, of course. <laughs> maybe musicians first, but uh, you know, there are so many transferable skills. I mean, one, 
I, this came up in my interview process when you know I was speaking with our VP of Sales, Michael Connor, and he and he talked about uh, you know so many salespeople having athletic backgrounds because of, of like a of a commitment to uh, a sport or something. And I made the transferable point to do you have any idea how long I've sat in a room by myself and played the most boring chord progressions over and over and over again just so yeah. that I could do it without thinking about it now? Yep. And learning scales and learning theory, all the background work that I had to do so that I could stand on stage now and just let it rip. Thousands uh, of hours. Exactly. You know? And so, you know, that ability to really devote yourself, uh, to, uh, intently improving and ever improve and, and, and devote yourself to something that you can never optimize is always continuing to evolve, uh, uh, is, is incredible. I think the ability to do that solo work on your own, but then also be able to participate as a member of a team. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the sales work, um, I could tell you one of the only parts of it that I struggle with sometimes is that uh, if you can tell from my affect, I'm kind of extroverted. Um, <laughs> I I need peopling. Uh, and so- Peopling, yes. Uh, and when I worked in an office, I was all great. Now I'm at home. And uh, I, there, there's meetings at, at our company that are optional. I go to all of them, uh, you know, you know uh, and... if you ever want a people, let me know, yeah. because I totally am a peopling person. I hate yeah. working at home alone. Yeah. And so, but I can do it, right? I can do it. I'm totally fine doing it and I'm successful. But then also I'm very adept to you're playing in a band. I mean, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to ebb and flow. You gotta be able to read people. You gotta be able to, you know, it's the same thing. I was on campus last week uh, for two universities with two colleagues and we're doing a five hour presentation. Of course, there's a little breaks in there, but in a five hour presentation, you gotta be able to ad lib and I gotta be able to give you a facial expression that you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, and it's the same thing with music. It's the same thing with improv. You know, it's all those little nonverbal cues and verbal cues you can learn to do together. Um, and then, you know, obviously thinking on your feet, uh, there, there's, there's, there's no better training than the arts uh, to really say, can you pull your talent to bear in this moment, right? In this moment, can you bring it? Uh, and, and, and the arts fine tunes that fine tunes that. Yeah. Can, can you get on your sales stage mm -hmm. and engage an audience mm -hmm. and have stage presence Yeah, and show up, um, the way that audience needs you to show up? Cause every audience is different. Right. I just, I just interviewed someone for a show, um, uh, for the women your mother warned you about, about, styling and how you how you dress and the different style types for how you dress and it's not just dressing your style but it's also dressing the style of the people who you're going to be standing in front of you know making them comfortable in the process it's there's so much that goes into um the arts as a performer that's such a parallel to sales right and something you just said there too that i would tug on the thread a little bit more is like say like like sales is about the client music and performance is about the audience like it doesn't exactly ex doesn't exist without them um and, and so always being cognizant of that that if i think it's the best song in the world but no one else likes it guess what right not the right 
It doesn't matter that it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, same thing with the best product, best pitch in the world. If I think it's great, my opinion is immaterial. Uh, it's all about having that humility and also the guts to put yourself out there. I mean, I, I think for those of us who have done it for long enough, we probably take it for granted. I have people ask me like, oh, do you get nervous? I don't get nervous anymore. Uh, Maybe sometimes if it's a really big show or a really big workshop I'm doing. uh, But if I can just stay out of my own head, it's just just another stage. It's just another conversation. And I could kind of bring that. But there's an incredible amount of bravery that comes with that because anything could happen. Do you think that that helps you when it comes to talking to prospects and customers because when you're used to being a performer Mm -hmm. and you're used to thinking about the audience, you're then really thinking about what's in it for them. Right. I mean, I think that's the, the empathy. I mean, I think that's the connection. That's the, what are they looking for? And then also, I mean, there is a balance there, I think, uh, between, I can't just tell you what you want to hear too. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a balance. I mean, I, I tell my clients, like I, I, my goal isn't just to sell you anything. It has to be of use because I, yeah. I want it to be of help. And also there are some folks that have ideas that need to be challenged and, and there's all different ways that you need to do that, you know, as far as different styles and different tacts. Um, but part of my job is to, is to provide that lens. Um, and so I do think that ability to read people, that ability to see what they're saying and what they need, which might be different things, right? Uh, and, and kind of getting that level deeper of not just accepting what's on the surface. Yeah. What would your advice be about enhancing your creativity? Because we both know that being creative um, lends itself to in- improving your success. So what would your advice be for getting more creative? It never stops. I mean, the amount of people that I chat with that say, oh, I can't pick up something like that now. It's like, why? You know, again, you know, do five minutes a day, do 10 minutes a day, pick up a guitar. I got a drum set out there. I'm not to play drums. I'm doing five to 10 minutes a day every so often just to see what I can mess around with it. Uh, you know, I started trying to figure out how to record my own songs. So I got like recording equipment over here, you know, uh, being that ever present learner, I mean, I, I think it, it really helps when you're working with people to know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, right? I mean, to be able to make connections and be able to have those conversations and say, yeah, I've dabbled in that, or I know some information or, you know, this is, you know, something I even talk about with music. It's, it's a pet peeve of mine when people say they, they hate a particular brand of music. And, uh, and I always want to say to folks like, listen, you know, music is comprised of 12 notes, there are only 12 notes. That's all that exists. And it doesn't matter to me if you're listening to Dr. Dre, Taylor Swift, or Guns N' Roses, they're all using the same notes and they're telling the story. And I, I love learning people's stories uh, of really getting that. I never, I never imagined uh, you know, having gotten a guitar because I love Guns N' Roses, how much I would love Taylor Swift now because of my daughter. <laughs> Taylor Swift is amazing. Right. She is. Yeah, absolutely. She amazing. Is. And, and I see it through my daughter's eyes. 
Uh, and so if you want to get involved in the arts, I mean, take a class, do something online. YouTube is amazing for finding so much stuff. I mean, back in the day when I was learning, you had to get a guitar tablature book and you got the CD players a lot harder. There are so many resources out there. Um, and the only thing really standing in your way is you. Amen. So from a creativity standpoint, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research on this. Um, I may have talked to you about it of the studies on we're actually born creative geniuses and, um, you know, at age five, 95% of five-year-olds are create are still creative geniuses. And by the time they're 15, that number goes down to 12%. And we, we, in essence, unlearn creativity. So, uh, and then there's all the science behind how creativity will help you in problem solving and collaboration and ideation. Um, I've visited Stanford University where they use improv in the engineering department for problem solving, right? Because it's about how do I get creative with this? So just from a salesperson perspective, how are you getting creative to solve your customers' problems? Like. What? I think it's, it's, I stay very attuned to what's happening in the field. So whether it's Google alerts or LinkedIn or whatever it is, finding out what's happening on their campuses so that I could speak to it and I could do outreach. Um, and I think because I understand higher ed more, I understand how some of those things connect a little deeper so I can make those personal connections about either a speaker on campus or an event or whatever it might be. Um, it's also about trying to show people a vision for what they don't even understand or see yet. Um, I have really dived down the rabbit hole of artificial intelligence. Uh, I'm finishing my seventh LinkedIn learning course on it now because I find it fascinating. And it is not only in higher ed, but that's my field, it's beyond too. But in higher ed, it is the next both transformative and potentially disruptive, already disruptive entity. And I want to understand it so that I can talk educatively to people about it because there is so much good that can be done with AI. When people say, you know, AI is bad, it's kind of like saying technology is bad. Well, it depends on how you use it. It depends on what it's being done yeah. for. I mean, granted, I was raised with Terminator and Skynet scares me, but, uh, you know, there is so much positive out there with artificial intelligence. So looking at how to use that creatively and, and, and filter in the student's story. Um, filtering in the stories of their students on campus and make it meaningful to them so that when I'm reaching out to the institution, I'm using the data of that institution. I'm using the voices for students that I'm finding online. I'm using some of their research data that they have published there. I'm not just doing generic outreaches. It is truly uh, individualized content. Um, uh, and so that's you know some of the more academic creativity. But then more personal creativity is, is the interpersonal connections. I have lots of folks who know lots of folks. And so looking for those connections, looking for those common personal interests, uh, just to continue to build that uh, personal connection, because it is absolutely true. People buy from who they like uh, and who they connect with. I love it. I love it. Um, we could go on and on and on. Yes. Uh, we probably need another episode. I'll, I'll have to bring you over to the women your mother warned you about. That'll be a part two, Please. maybe, of this. Uh, so I'd love to get into talking about storytelling even more because that is something I am super passionate about in, in that piece of it. But it's time for us to wrap up. And thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast, Art Munin. 
Well, sincerely, thank you to you. I've, I've loved this conversation and our connection. Uh, 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 the, the training truly was transformative and so incredibly helpful to me and my colleagues. And I appreciate uh, all the fantastic work you're putting out there, all the fantastic content Jeb's putting out there. Uh, it's part of, uh, you know, my weekly workout regimen is listening to your podcasts. Uh, I love it. Uh, it's great. I love it. Well, we're going to we're going to wrap up the show, but get get your guitar out because um, I'm going to I'll give you the cue and you could uh, strum a couple lines uh, near the end of this to take us out of the show. Kind of like a TV show. You take us take us out. But um, hey, everybody, um, it was great having you here. Great uh, that uh, Jeb let me ambush the show. Go check out Lays on International to learn more about them. Um, and, I'm, and you can go look up Art on LinkedIn. You can find him there. And make sure that you go and you check out Sales Gravy University. We've got thousands of people from all over the globe who come to Sales Gravy to learn how to sell. Uh, they learn the fundamentals and the basics and, and more. Uh, if you've never taken a course at Sales Gravy University, just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. Use the code free course and you can pick any course in the catalog, anyone that you want, join it, check it out for yourself. Uh, thanks again for listening and um, Art, play us out. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. <laughs>